all know me, know how I earn a living. This shark, swallow you whole. I value my neck a lot more than 3,000 bucks, Chief. Find him for three, but I'll catch him and kill him for ten. Ten thousand dollars for me by myself. For that, you get the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. You yell, Shark. We've got a panel on our hands on the 4th of July. Mr. Vaughn, Mr. Vaughn, I pulled a tooth the size of a shot glass out of the rectal of the boat out there, and it was the tooth of a great white. A what? You're gonna need a bigger boat. Love to prove that, wouldn't you? Get your name into the National Geographic. Now, I'm not saying that this is not the shark. It probably is, Martin. It probably is. It's a man-eater. It's extremely rare for these waters. But the fact is that the bite radius on this animal is different than the wounds on the victim. Jaws Obsession. I'm your host, Ryan Daco, and this is episode two of the Jaws Obsession, where we are here to share with you, prove to you, convince you, or remind you that Jaws is the greatest movie of all time. That's it. I'll say it again. Jaws is the greatest movie of all time. Disagree with that? Let us know. You can always let us know here at uh, JawsOB2025 at gmail.com. You can go to JawsOB, the letters OB.com at our website, JawsObsession.com. We'll also take you to the same place. Go to the contacts page and let us know what you think. There's so much information out there. Uh, I'm nowhere, me, my, myself personally, I'm nowhere near an expert in the world of Jaws. I'm a big fan. I was born after the movie was made. I've, Jaws played a very important role in my life. So I'm not an expert, but I'm willing to learn. And that's the magic of what we can build here. If, if we don't know the answer outright, we're going to find someone who does. And that's, we're going to show that today. On episode two, we're going to show, uh, we're going to bring in one of our experts and we're going to get to the bottom of some of the questions I've always had about a particular item that's used in Jaws. And that particular item that is used, and that little item is the little flasher that Hooper attaches to the barrel in Jaws. It's a very memorable scene. Uh, Quint has, uh, he says to Hooper, attach this line to the first keg. Hooper runs down below, and he grabs one of these little scientific devices he has, and he pulls it out of the packaging, and he clicks the switch, and it starts a strobe light effect, and you actually hear a beeping going on. goes up. We all know the scene. 
attaches it to the, the barrel. The barrel pops out as the shark goes by, and it actually plays a later role. You see it flashing in the barrel during the night. What actually is that device? And that's what we're going to uh, present here. So that, that device is actually, the actual technical term for that device is called the SDU-5E Distress Marker Strobe Light. We had, when I, my time in the Coast Guard, we would use these. This was actually a military-issued item uh, for us when I was um, at a small boat search and rescue station, Fire Island, down in uh, Long Island, New York. We would wear these uh, search and rescue vests that, were, that had all our survival equipment in case we fell overboard. Of all the different equipment, we would have uh, flare signals for a uh, night. We'd have smoke flares. We'd have a whistle. We had a signal mirror where you would aim it at the sun, and there was a way you could aim it at the target and then just tilt it, and you would uh, kind of use the sunlight to flash a target to get someone to come over and rescue you. One of the things on your upper right shoulder was a little pocket there, and we would have these little SDU-5E strobe lights, and they were attached to a nylon cord, so it was tied to the vest in case they did not float. So in case you dropped it, it would sink, and you could just reach down and grab your cord and pull it back up. But it would have Velcro on it, and um, we would actually, if we were in heavy surf, we would, wear, we would wear helmets, and you would actually take, if you were overboard, you would have the other, other Velcro on top of the helmet, and you would take this light, you'd turn it on, if you fell into and fell into the water, you put it on top of your helmet, and that would be so they could actually see because it's very difficult to see someone that's floating in the water with just their head above water. So that's one of the distress signals. That's one of the steps you would do when you would go through all the processes, all the training when you fall overboard. This is what you would do, right? So this SDU-5E strobe light was very important. We used them every day. To my amazement, I didn't actually put the two things together the, until years later after I got out of the Coast Guard, I said, that is that, uh, that Hooper was using the same light. So I've always been fascinated is what actually was Hooper trying to do there? What was Hooper's purpose there? He was told to attach the line to the first keg. So he goes down below and he grabs the SDU-5E strobe light and he says, and he holds up and he's holding it and he was holding it with the shark dart. What do you think he was trying to do there? That's what the question was going to, we're going to be asking. I think there was a higher purpose. There was a little something more going on there um, that the filmmakers intended, that either Spielberg, Carl Gottlieb, they intended. And we're going to have to get to the bottom of this. We're going to have to bring in one of our experts to get to the bottom of this. But, for, but let me just give you a little bit of background on this SDU-5E distress marker strobe light. Um, it was uh, late late nine. It was used. It was manufactured in the late 1960s, and it was used by uh, many all the branches of the military: Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Special Forces, Coast Guard. Uh, color was high vis orange. Uh, late 1960s. It was originally issued with various air crew survival vests and life preservers. Um, that's another thing. It was it was really popular with the aviation, naval aviators, and aviation community as well. And the SDU-5E played a very very important role with those guys as well. It was waterproof, produced an intermittent flash of light visible, visible for beyond five miles. Uh, the accessories included a carrying pouch, flash guard, a blue filter, and various other lens covers. It was later replaced and was phased out in the year 2000 by the MS-2000 strobe and other modern strobes. So it's not man manufactured anymore, but there's a lot out there because they made a lot of these. So yeah, so that's a little bit of history, is that um, I, I, we used them in the Coast Guard. There's naval aviators have them. Um, we, we also know that guys had them in Vietnam and uh, we uh, from as early as Vietnam all the way 
through the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Uh, so when Hooper takes this out and he starts clicking it, this is the thing is that it doesn't make a, a beep sound as in the movie. Here, I have one right here, and I'm going to turn it on. So that's that's the sound that it makes. It's not it's like a camera flash charging. It's not a audible beep 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 sound like you see in jaws. So that's added in and that's why I always said that my theory was always that that was intended to track the shark not just to signal the barrel and that there was more to this story that either they never got around to filming because of the hectic shooting schedule or that they um, there was more to this story that they did film, but because of time, they cut it out. So we're going to have to see if I'm right about that. I also wanted to say that this is not... Jaws was maybe the first time that it appeared on, in movies, but it is not the only time. Um, in the movie Black Hawk Down, an infrared strobe is used to mark an enemy position. That is, a, it was actually a, an SDU-5E strobe light. Then if you watch the movie The Bourne Identity, Jason Bourne is rescued in the opening scene of the movie. He's wearing two SDU-5E strobe lights that are strapped on top of each other, but pointing in opposite directions. They're right up there on his left shoulder. Also in the movie Behind Enemy Lines, near the end, Owen Wilson sees SDU-5E and he picks it up in the snow because he's trying to... Um, He's trying to give power to some emergency positioning. So he pulls a 9-volt battery. It, the, these do not take 9-volt batteries, but he pulls the battery out. So they kind of made some Hollywood trickery there to get a 9-volt battery out of these. But it is an SDU-5E that he's, that he's holding. And finally, the most accurate display of the SDU-5E was in the mo 2000, was in the movie The Perfect Storm in the year 2000, um, in the scene of the Coast Guard rescue of the National Guard pilot's uh, helicopter crew that went down. Uh, the one guy that's injured, if you watch that scene, he's got the SDU-5E strobe light that's on his helmet, and it's flashing away. And for that whole scene, if you just watch, there it is. You can you can definitely see it. There it is. That's the little Hooper strobe making a cinematic appearance. Um, I have links to some of these scenes, so we're going to include those in the show notes. So if you want to go and watch these scenes and actually see Hooper's little strobe light actually make appearance in other films. Uh, you're going to be able to do that over at our uh, Telegram channel. Go to Telegram at JawsOB, or you can go to our Discord, JawsOB, hashtag 1973. You can find links for that on the contact page at JawsOB.com. So you can go and actually see that this little strobe light actually has a bigger purpose in the, in the... Um, in movies and also the world than just to mark a yellow barrel to track a shark. In order to answer this, I actually was looking on... The reason why I got on this is that there are labels and there's details that you can't quite make out from pausing the movie. And then when you stumble, when you go and you do some research, you find that there's people that know a lot more information. I was able to come across Mr. Jonathan Tedder, uh, through Etsy.com. He had a little shop there called Quint's Shark and Shack. Amazing amount of knowledge in this gentleman. That's why I wanted to bring him on this episode so he could give us some insight into the SDU 5E strobe light into, and we can have a little discussion. John, how are you doing? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Uh, I'm very excited. I just opened up the package 
And uh, I'm telling you right now, uh, it's so screen accurate, it's not funny. I have a few questions to get in here so we can learn more about this. I always thought, when I watched the movie, I always thought it, it read GeoFlasher. But, I, um, but I've heard everyone say NeoFlasher, your uh, back label and your front label obviously settles it that it's NeoFlasher, 100%. Uh, I never knew there was a black uh, a back label. Uh, that was a revelation for me. How did you know the details of the back label? And was this actual wording you saw on a screen use prop, or did you uh, make that up? Well, I didn't know there was a back label for a long time. I didn't know there, there was. And there's a forum called the Replica Prop Forum, and it was always debated about you know whether there was a sticker on the back or not. That, that debate's went on for years. And then there was one that popped up on eBay quite a few years ago. And on the back, it was a yellow label. Okay. And it said, save your lifer on it. You know, you know, flasher, you know. Yep. And it came in a white case with a uh, kind of a foam insert that it sat in. Foam was long since deteriorated on it. Okay. And it's the same packaging that Hooper has in the movie. Wow. All right. And, you know, you look at that and then you go look at the movie and then when you pause it frame by frame as Hooper's tying on the flasher strobe to the barrel, right before the barrel is jerked out, the flasher turns a little bit and you can see the label on the back side. You just can't see what it says, but you can see clearly that it's a yellow label with what looks like a white circle on it, but it's actually the white star. Okay. So you can see that. Right. And then I, I actually have it, the movie paused right now where he's looking back over, um, he's holding a, he's holding the, the strobe in his left hand, the shark dart in his right hand. He's looking back over his shoulder because Quinn's calling for him. And you can actually see a hint of that label on the backside, um, this, this little yellow backside label. Um, and you have the words, if you are lost, be found, uh, Neo Flasher Electronics, Inc., North Hollywood, California. Um, I saw mm -hmm. one other reference to uh, that, there, this, that there, was an actual, there was an actual Neo Flasher Electronics, Inc. Is that, is that uh, did you verify that? Yes, that is true. That's that so, is true. That's so cool. So they actually, they actually had these and they issued them uh, with these stickers to the civilian world. And so that's so, right. so, so because I was telling people in the Coast Guard uh, that when I was in the Coast Guard, our strobes only had a small white nylon tether line that was tied to right. them um, for the search and rescue survival vest. Um, the yellow strap that your that your that your reproduction comes with comes in, um, that was actually you got the details that that was actually released by the Neo Flasher Electronics Inc. Then, right. That's cool because you, I, it clearly has a yellow strap in the movie. Um, and so that is, that's different. I always thought the the plastic vacuum form packaging that, that Hooper's pops off the uh, strobe down below in the, when he's in the Orca and the, that was a prop department that it wasn't real because our military strobes always came in a little cardboard box. Um, and, uh, with the national, with the national stock number, uh, printed on it. So you're saying right. that you're saying that packaging was pretty much, that's what was available back then. Correct. And you know, too, because I have several of the flasher units, and you know, they were made by a few different companies. Okay. You know, like there was the uh, Federal of Handicap New York that oh. made those. Um, and those are the ones that you see most commonly with the 
white tether on it and you know it's always attached to the green pouch that it's in and okay um and then the cardboard box and then there's another company that not a lot of people know but it is a subsidiary of neo flasher and i actually have one i'll send you some pictures of it okay and it is cromley electronics division hollywood california wow wow so so it's the same place where neo flasher's at all right, all right. So we're we're kind of narrowing this down that this is actually something that they the prop department went out and they bought. They didn't they did not get something from the military and retrofit it. They actually bought this with the label, the Neo Flasher and all that stuff like that. Um and uh yeah, all these pictures and stuff are going to be on the show notes. Um you can see that over on our uh Telegram and our um Discord pages. Um that you're going to be able to see all these pictures, these close-ups and stuff. Um, now, my military-issued ones, they have a black plastic bezel underneath the glass for the strobe. The one that Hooper has yeah. in there has an orange bezel. So is, is, do you think that might indicate what is civilian use and military use, if it's black or orange? I really think it was the two different companies. Two different that companies. Did it. Well, te- technical three, if you want to count Cromley, but since that's a subsidiary of Neo Flasher, I'd kind of say that's the same company in a way. Okay. Um, but the black bezel, the black ring yep. around the clear part, you know, you always see those on the bed of handicap New York. All right. Whereas Neo Flashers, they're never another color but orange. Never. Wow. Wow. Okay. So we're on to that. We're on to that. There's, there's, there's different the different color bezels, but it's the same housing. It's the same dimensions. If you get a military one, you can take the labels that John has off Quint's Shark, uh, Shark and Shack at Etsy.com. And you can actually recreate, you can actually have your own working unit of uh, Hooper's strobe. Um, I had a question. I want to get into just the, the, the theory. What do you think uh, Hooper, uh, Hooper's purposes were in overstepping Quint and getting the strobe out first? I always thought that this was going to lead to another scene because I thought this was more of like a tracking probe. And you know how Hooper had all this equipment and they were going to make a scene where... Uh, Hooper was going to put something in the water and say, okay, it's, you know, it's, it's off in this direction. And he was just kind of trying to, what he was trying to do was one up Quint in that Quint was just making fun of all his fancy gear and, you know, making fun of electric toothbrushes and stuff. And he's going, no, I'm going to put this on and I'm going to show this guy how, how us new generation guys hunt sharks and track sharks. And, um, do you think that there would have been, if it wasn't for the hectic shooting schedule, do you think that that, because it looks like Hooper didn't think they were going to go into the night um, when he kind of, he's all frustrated that the shark takes the barrel down. And there really isn't a thing like um, where they're looking for the flasher. The the whole point of installing this on the barrel was to track it. And what do you think? Do you think that uh, that's a possibility? I think it's a possibility because... You know as well as I do, you can see the flashes from that strobe for miles. Yes. You can see them because as bright as they are. Yes. And, you know, they're meant to be seen from all angles, including above, you know, right. especially from above for search and rescue. And I think that maybe there might have been a scene planned from what I've read in the script. I've read it multiple times. There's no indication of it. But, you know, as well as I do, that they were writing that script daily and we're making changes daily on the fly right right so there very well could have been a scene where they were gonna attempt to track it at night yes. because you know by the time you know the sun goes starts to go down you know you see quint he's leaning against the railing of the pulpit and he's looking backwards and yep you know brody says you know 
we can head on in. And Quint says, you know, we got two, uh, we got one barrel on him. We stay out here till we find him again. You know, and Bruce says, you know, we can radio out a bigger boat, you know, and then, you know, it cuts to Quint whistling and the sun has went down even further. Yeah. And, you know, when it gets night time and they're in the cabin, like you really don't know how much of how long of a passage of time that it has been. So I think maybe, that maybe there had been a scene where they might have been looking for the shark, looking for that flash that there may have been. Yeah. Absolutely. 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 And then if you if and I always said, if you if you look over um, the stack of uh, monitoring equipment that Hooper has, it's over Quint's mm-hmm. shoulder. Um, it looks like there's a direction finder of some sort. Um, and that's where, you know, that's why I was just wondering is if, if, yeah, if, if there would have, if that would have been incorporated, had they had more time and I know absolutely they're, they're writing the script on the fly and stuff. It just looked like there was going to be more for this little flasher to, to be part of the story. Unfortunately, we never got to it. I mean, it just, it's just on the barrel and we see that. Also, I've, I've read, um, some people think that that is, the actual strobe, but we all know that that's animation, right? Is that's animation on it as it's floating on the barrel? Um, is that animation that's on the water? Because I think it's at a different rate. I'm not sure. I believe it is animation. Of course, I'll be honest. I've never looked too yeah. carefully into that to match the times that it flashes versus what it flashes in the film. Right. Right. And you know they'll go in and post-production and go in and fix all that okay yeah and i think that it might have been animation because you know how bright those things are and oh, if yeah. you try to take on, on a camera that especially a film camera you know it's gonna create a lens flare every time it goes off because it's so bright you know that's the thing yeah. about it yeah you put it in a dark room it'll completely light up a room when it goes off yeah no no that's that that kind of settles it because they would have had to have animate it because they were using that day for night uh, camera right. trickery where they had the you know they had the um, the filters over the lens, so right. yeah, so the the animation does sound right. Um, so that that's uh, let's just talk about really quick your reproduction kit here. Um, it's unbelievable. Uh, the details on the labels, everything is the same size. I've seen other people try to recreate these labels, and the Neo Flasher label and it's just way too large. It takes the whole. Ho- you have the right size, the right measurements. Um, the detail, the yellow strap, you're down to the, 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 ac- the accurate weave pattern of the material, the, uh, the D-rings, the little metal D-rings on it. Everything is so accurate. And I, wanted, I want you to tell others out there really quick, how do you think they can go about finding and creating their own Hooper strobe light? Well, the way that you can go about doing it is you can go to an Army military surplus store. Usually they'll have maybe one or two lying around. Uh, your next best bet is eBay. There's usually a few on there. Yeah, and, you know, when you get on there and you don't see them on there, just give it a couple weeks, two or three weeks at the most. Go back and look. There will be more on there. That's the thing. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And then then they can go to uh, what's the best way to reach you, um, right, to Etsy.com? Yeah, you can go to Etsy.com or you can go to any of my social medias for any of that, and you can find the link to it in my pages and everything. Yeah, why don't you uh, uh, give out your um, social media links so, uh, so people can look you up and look up this uh, great label package for the SDU 5E strobe light. All right, well, first we'll just start with Etsy. Uh, you just type in Quince Sharkin Shack, and that's Sharkin without the G after the N. Um, and then if you want to go to Instagram, all you have to do is type in orca underscore rebuild, and I have a link. It's a link tree. 
So you can find all my links to all my social media. And then you can just get on YouTube and type in Orca Rebuild. And it's at the top of all my links pinned on the first post. So I'm, it's pretty easy to find. All right. All right. Yeah, that's no, that's that's very easy to find. I urge everybody to go over there right now and uh, and get this wrapped up because uh, this is the this is so cool. We've waited so long for something like this. And I just uh, commend you and all, all your other things you have at Quince Shark and Shack that are so screen accurate, they're wonderful. And anyone who's a Jaws fan, or if you know someone that's a Jaws fan in life and you want to get them a nice Christmas present, uh, stop stop over there. You, they won't be disappointed. So uh, thank you for uh, for coming on here. And we're, we're going to bring Mr. Tedder back because uh, when we get into our Orca episodes, uh, we're going to need his expertise on uh, some of those aspects. So we enjoy hearing from you more. And I want to thank you for your time for your call. Oh no problem! I'm I'm just fight, fighting at the bit to come back. That yeah, was really it was really, it was fun. All right, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks again. Oh, you're welcome. And there you have it. I just checked eBay, and there are five for sale right now. So these uh, these always pop up. These little just type in SDU five E strobe. They're always going to come up. Um, I also want and also a reminder: if you are going to want to get the light working. You're going to have to purchase the little brass adapter that's also available on eBay. Some people make the brass caps, the brass adapters, uh, because the dry battery cell that came with the strobe is no longer made uh, because it contained mercury. So they don't make those anymore. So you can actually use two little uh, camera batteries, uh, two little camera batteries, I think the CR123 batteries uh, on top of each other. And if you get this cap, this uh, adapter, this brass adapter cap, it just screws on and the light works all the same. Final thoughts. I had a, I had a letter from a veteran. The light, he says, the light that you mentioned is the old type safety strobe that was used by all sorts of troops from pilots to special operations guys and sometimes just uh, us troops on the ground. I used one in Vietnam that had another cover so we could put it on while the white, over the white light and make it another color, red or infrared, I think, to keep it from being mistaken for ground fire. Uh, when we were trying to call in air support at night, and we wanted to mark our position. Best regards, Ed, U.S. Army, medically retired, Vietnam, 1968 and 1969. It goes to show you that these things were around much long, much long, they were around before JAWS, the making of JAWS, which was 1974, and they're around much after, because I was using them in 1997 um, in the Coast Guard, and they were finally phased out in 2000. So, So these were very resilient little items the only thing it doesn't do is it doesn't do the beeping sound and it and it and it will not be able to give a position. So with that, the final thoughts, the SDU stro- uh, SDU 5E strobe used by Hooper is actually the military's response to Mark sailors or soldiers stranded in the jungle or at sea. And with Quint being a survivor of the sinking of the Indianapolis, this is one of the devices uh, that was developed in the wake of the tragedy of the Indianapolis to enhance the survival and the survival equipment of military personnel. So knowing the little history of this device, how many lives would have been saved had it been around uh, on July 29, 1945? I think it's a neat little tie into the backstory. It's pro- it's not, obviously, it's probably not intended. It's way looking in, it's, it's, it's looking way too much into it. It's probably not intended, but these are the little, the great little things that sometimes get discovered during the making of a movie. Um, and Jaws has many of them. We're going to talk about a lot of those in upcoming episodes. But I always said in my time on film sets that you really don't make a movie. You just get everything in place. And movies, in a way, they make themselves. And these little 
these little genius tie-ins and these little special little moments actually come in on their own and they come in and the filmmakers don't even realize that they're doing it, but uh, that it was intended to come out one way, but because of a host of reasons, the scene turned out another way and it becomes priceless. So here you have the old salty sailor bashing the technology of the new generation of sailors in, in Hooper. And then he's waiting on Hooper to secure this little flashing strobe. And that had that strobe been around in 1945, it could have saved many lives that died in 1945. So it's an it's a interesting little touch of irony that you may overlook unless, unless you know about the SDU-5B distress marker light, and now you do. And it's those little things that makes Jaws special. And that's what we're hoping to highlight here uh, on this episode and future episodes of the next Jaws Obsession. And there we have it. And with that, gentlemen are singing. And the movie Jaws is copyright property of Universal Studios. Any references and sampling from the movie Jaws in this episode is intended to fall within Section 107 of the Copyright Act. Copyrighted materials are fairly used for the purposes of criticism, comment, reporting, teaching, and research. The materials used here are protected by the Fair Use Guidelines of Section 107 of the Copyright Act, all rights reserved to the copyright owners. So there we go. That's episode two. Thanks for listening. Follow the links on the contact page uh, to our Telegram and Discord channels where you can uh, we can get some uh, questions answered. You're going to find all the show notes, links, videos, and all sorts of uh, other information that we talked about in this episode. You can go and see all the photos that we talked about of the strobe light. Um, and if you have any questions, uh, if you would like the links to Quint Shark, Shark and Shack to find those labels, um, let's get those questions in over at uh, jawsob2025 at gmail.com jawsob.com thanks for listening until next week farewell and adieu and show me the way to go home